Blog Talk Radio. Radio back on blogtalkradio.com for one night only. I'm John Corey. Welcome into the show. We were sent over to the deuce tonight as NTR Radio has William Patterson Hockey that's live right now with Brett Luther and John Peterson. If you want to check out some college hockey, go over to mtrradio.com. I'm sure you'll all run right over. A lot to get into tonight. Divisional round weekend in the NFL. Some might say the best weekend of the year. You know, I look at it a little bit differently. I look at, you know, week one as the best weekend of the year. That first day you could sit down on your couch, 16 games going on. To me, that's the best weekend of the year. This is only the best weekend of the year if you have a team still in the mix. I just so happen to have a team still in the mix. We'll talk about that team tonight. Dave Choke from the Falconhawk.com will be on the show very shortly. He's been a regular with us the last couple of weeks. Much appreciated. He'll be on to talk about Falcons and the rest of the matchups in the divisional round. So he'll be on in a couple minutes. Also, I'll give you my predictions on the two Saturday games. And then I'll tell you about Sunday. We'll start talking about Sunday now. I'll be on the air on ntlradio.com from 11 a.m. right up till takeoff at 1 p.m. Special show Sunday morning. I'm usually on from 9 to 10, but this Sunday, some things broke right. And I'm going to take you all the way to kickoff. I have some surprises in store some guests I'm trying to, to bring on with me. So check that show out. It'll be a fun show. MTRradio.com, Sunday morning, 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock Sunday morning. Now, you know, last weekend the games were all pretty much duds. And I'm not going to spend too much time on them. But they did break the way I, I kind of thought they'd break. With the exception of the Redskin game, which, you know, who could have saw that disaster happen with RG3's leg? But the matchups for this weekend are pretty intense, if you, if you ask me. Denver-Baltimore, I'm back and forth on what kind of game that's going to be. You all know what I think about the Houston game. 
y'all can assume what I think about the Atlanta game. And then the game of the weekend might be tomorrow night in San Francisco between the Packers and Niners. We'll break it all down in a couple minutes. Dave Choton of Falcohawks.com. Check out the blog. It's part of the SB Nation blog network. It's a great read. Some great writers over there that do a great job. If you're familiar with MetsBlog.com, it's very similar to that. Um, just daily updates, news updates, stories. Very similar to Mets blog, very similar to some of the best blogs you see out there. Um, that's the falcoholic.com. You can check that all out there. You know, I had the pleasure this week of being on the air quite a bit. And I'd like to thank some people. You know, thank James Flippin for letting me co host the NPR morning show the other day. Uh, Baboots was out. He had some business to take care of, so I sat in Baboot's chair, tried to ruffle James up a little bit. didn't really work, but that's all right. So I appreciate him letting me hold down the fort over there in the MTR morning show. The other announcement I'll make, I'll say for the end of the show, I have an announcement regarding some upcoming shows and, and some upcoming things I've been working on. That'll be the end of tonight's show, and I'll talk about it more in depth on Sunday as we wait for Mr. Choate to call in to talk about Falcons, Seahawks. Very similar position for the Atlanta Falcons as they were two years ago. When the upstart Green Bay Packers came in, a very similar type of team. And at that point, a very similar type of defense. You know, a lot of people remember the Packers' offense with that run, but the Packers' defense was impressive. Let's see here. It looks like we're good. Dave, is this you? It is. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Status Radio. Dave Chope from the Falcons.com. I was just talking about the website. It's a good read, and we welcome you back for another week on a different platform tonight due to some hockey uh, commitments on the other website. But I welcome, welcome you back into the show. Thanks for coming. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, here we are. You know, the long wait is over. Everything that's been talked about for 16 games in four months has finally arrived. The dreaded Falcon playoff game where everybody in America thinks that they're going to blow it. Let's start with, should the Falcons show up this weekend? I mean, (laughs) the way you hear everybody talk, it's like they shouldn't even show up. They're the number one seed in the NFC. And these people, you know, I go back to the Giant game we talked about a few weeks back. Nobody gave the Falcons any credit. What's your thoughts going into the game about the lack of respect the Falcons are getting and the amount of respect the Seahawks are getting? 
I think it has to do with, um, you know, we've discussed before the narrative that got built up around this team that nothing they do is good enough until they win a playoff game, and they'll never win a playoff game, so nothing they do will ever be good enough. So, really, you look at the Seahawks, and they're a very balanced team, a very complete team, a very good team, but they're not necessarily a world-beating team. They're not necessarily someone that everyone else fears, but they are being pumped up uh, a little bit more perhaps even than they should be because everybody expects the Falcons to lose. You know, what's funny to me is a lot of people will talk about the Hail Mary in Seattle with the the Green Bay Seattle team as being a big deal in terms of playoff seeding. I look at that from a different perspective. That Hail Mary not only kept the Bears out of the playoffs, but you can make the argument that that call by the replacement refs cost Lovey Smith his job. I think you can make that. Uh, you can make that argument effectively, and I think it's true. I think that is what cost him his job. I think you're looking at, you know, the difference between um, Lovey Smith keeping his job, the Bears being in the playoffs, things perhaps uh, looking a little different than they do right now. Um, and maybe Leslie Frazier isn't getting an extension right now from the Vikings. It's amazing how much can change in one play. And that's the beauty of the NFL, but we have some games to talk about. You know, we'll start with the Falcon game. I mean, it's the most important game to, to both of us. And I've been talking to people all week. I've been fortunate enough to be on a lot of different shows this week. And to me, the, the most important matchup is – the Falcons receivers versus Seahawks secondary, and vice versa, the Seahawks receivers versus the Falcons secondary. What, in your mind, is the biggest matchup of the game? I think that is one of them because I think, you know, you can you can dive down and you can say Marshawn Lynch versus the Falcons run defense, which is a huge one. You can say Tony Gonzalez and Harry Douglas, uh, you know, against Seahawks defenders in the field. Um, you know, there's a lot of good matchups. It's going to be a great game. But I think that that is a critical one because the Falcons, they want to impose their will on teams. They want to be able to pass to Roddy White and Julio Jones because they're two of the best receivers in the NFL. And that's a huge part of their game plan. But I think what you see with the Seahawks is, um, you know, two cornerbacks, arguably. Um, at least one of them, Richard Sherman, is, is flat-out elite. He just had uh, one of the better seasons I've seen from a cornerback in recent memory. And Browner's pretty good, too, Brandon Browner. So you're looking at two guys who are big, who are physical, who are talented, and match up pretty well against these wide receivers. So I think that whoever wins that battle is going to have, um, you know, pretty huge say in who wins this game. You hear me? All right, I'm good now. <laughs> All right, you hear me now? Hello?
Well, we lost Dave. Hopefully he'll call right back. I don't know what happened. You know, it's funny. Get the phone situation worked out by putting strings together with the other website. I'm on a pretty established website with a pretty good phone system here, and the phone calls are dropping off. Ah, yeah, yeah. It's like the status radio phone system has followed me to blog talk. It's a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. Hopefully Dave will call back. And we'll get some more of his thoughts about the game. That's one of the things that concerns me, and Dave's back. Dave, you back? I'm back. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, I, yeah I, I didn't know if that was me or you. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> Um, Either way. Yeah, I was just saying, yeah, I was just saying, you know, it, I worry about the Seahawks trash talk in the sense that I do worry that if that defense can get in the heads of the Falcons receivers and Tony Gonzalez and such. Uh, do you think that the so-called intimidation aspect of the Seahawks secondary could play a factor in this game? I don't really. I think that um... – you know, there are guys on this team, all of them are professionals. You know, um, Brody is perhaps a little bit more susceptible to that kind of trash talk than the others. But I think the Seahawks, um, you know, Richard Sherman's come out and said how much he respects these receivers. These receivers respect them. I think there will be some trash talk, but I don't really think they're going to let it get to their heads. I think, you know, when you look at this team and what they've been through and where they want to go, um, if they're getting un- undone by a little trash talk at this point, no matter how good Richard Sherman might be at it, um, th- that's a troubling sign. I don't think it'll happen. You know, Michael Turner is going to be an interesting case study in this game. He-, he has really showed himself for most of the season to have lost a step. This is a game where he's had some time off, He's had a time to get refreshed. How effective do we think Michael Turner can be this Sunday? You know, I think he's going to be um, at least moderately effective. And the reason I think that really comes down to his health. I think that for the first time in recent memory, you're looking at a Michael Turner who who is reasonably healthy. Um, You know, he doesn't have those nagging injuries. He's had the last couple of years in the playoffs. Um, you know, he hasn't had the same wear and tear on his body that he's had in previous seasons. So I think that even though he seems to have lost a step, even though the blocking hasn't been great, um, I think he's going to have a decent game because I think he's going to, you know, be amped up for it. I think he's been saving some energy for it. And I think that the Seahawks, um, you know, they're a good run defense, but they're not a great one. So I think that he's actually going to have some success running the football, and I think that's going to be huge. Yeah, you know, the running game's going to be interesting to me between Michael Turner and Jaquiz Rogers. A lot of people have picked Jaquiz to be a, a big factor in this game. I frankly don't see it. I, I think the Seahawks have a lot of ways they can neutralize Jaquiz. I think the Seahawks attack so much, it's going to force that, that halfback to stay in the backfield to pass protect a lot more than the Falcons would like. It's going to be big for Harry Douglas to step up, which always scares me. Tony Gonzalez, you know that he's hungry. You know that he might even go back 10 years ago, Tony Gonzalez, on Sunday afternoon. The Falcons' offense 
They need to keep Matt Ryan upright. They need to not turn the ball over, which is an obvious thing. But I think they need to jump on him early and jump on him often to really have some great success on Sunday. What are some of your keys to the game on Sunday for the Falcons to take home that that elusive playoff win? I think you pretty much nailed them all, but I'll I'll go down through the list real quick for myself. Um, Number one, you do have to get a lead. Um, The Seahawks are such a disciplined football team. You have to do anything you can to force them to make mistakes. And the best way to force any football team to make mistakes is to have a lead, make them press a little bit, make them maybe do some things they don't want to do to play catch-up. And I think that's what they're going to have to do with the Seahawks. Um, They can't really... You know, they can't dither around like they've done on drives this season and sort of say, well, you know, we ran it with Turner twice. We threw a short pass to Jason Snelling out of the backfield. We got a punt. You know, those kinds of drives just aren't going to cut it, um, you know, on Sunday. I think they're going to need to run the football some. I think they're going to need to establish Turner and Rodgers if they can do it. Um, I think they need to, you know, be fearless. They need to challenge Sherman and Browner downfield. You know, they need to get the ball to Julio Jones and Roddy White in addition to Gonzalez and Douglas, because those are their playmakers. And I think that defensively they have to stop Lynch. Um, That's no disrespect to Russell Wilson. You know, I think he's a a great quarterback already. He can run. Um, They clearly do need to focus on stopping him, but I think if you can't slow down Marshawn Lynch, it's not really going to matter what Russell Wilson's going to do. He's going to have all the time in the world back there. So it's really important that they take advantage of this foot sprain he's got and slow him down. Asante Samuels had such a good, positive season for the Falcons, and in a lot of ways it's a surprising season. I don't think a lot of us expected him to play as well as he has after the Falcons acquired him. And a lot of people forget the Falcons are doing this without Brent Grimes, which is just fascinating to me, at least moving forward to next year. But what concerns me is that the Seahawks are going to do whatever they can to try to wear down Asante, I think they're going to try to run at him. I think they're going to try to run at him early, run at him often, and then take some chances on him. What are some of the keys for the Seahawks to beat the Falcons in the Georgia Dome on Sunday? I think it's all about, um, you know, sort of the flip side of what we just said with the Falcons. Uh, It's imposing your will. It's running the football. It's running your read option. It's running your play action. It's, you know, rolling out of the pocket and making passes on the run, which Russell Wilson's so good at. I think that, you know, it's being able to use the offensive game plan you're comfortable with. You do not, you know, as good as Wilson is, and, you know, the receivers are underrated there. This is not a passing attack, I would argue, that has elite weapons, that has the ability to consistently get the ball downfield um, against an opportunistic soccer secondary. So you've got to establish the run. You've got to do what you want to do to beat the Falcons. Um, I think defensively, what they obviously need to do is get after Matt Ryan. I think that's so much the key because good as Sherman and Browner are, you give Matt Ryan enough time, he's going to find an open man, Um, especially because, you know, as you move down the depth chart, the uh, Seahawks don't have the same caliber of player at corner. Uh, Marcus Trufant at, you know, nickelback is is a huge drop-off from those two guys. So the best thing you can possibly do is just get after Ryan, hit him, force him to make bad throws. Uh, if you don't do that, it's probably a long day. 
you can also make the case Harry Douglas is also a huge drop-off from Julio and Roddy. And that is true. That is true. I think, um, you know, the, the question is, I think Douglas can outrun Trufant, but the question really is going to be how do they match um, White and Jones up in the slot to try to take advantage of that and do the Seahawks answer that by rotating one of those elite corners into the slot? And what does that do to the game plan? It's going to be fascinating to watch. Yeah, and one thing I would watch in this game is Pete Carroll, he gets very aggressive in games like this. They'll take chances early. They'll they'll do some things a little bit out of character early. It wouldn't surprise me in the least if they came out with a lot of play action trying to get some deep throws downfield. It also wouldn't surprise me if Pete Carroll got reckless if things started going bad. That's something that I'm really hoping for. I think the Falcons' defense and Mike Nolan with two weeks to prepare, it wouldn't have mattered the opponent. They knew they were getting a rookie quarterback either way. Both not as similar, but I think you're going to see a lot of movement from the Falcons' defense. I think you're going to see a lot of pre-snap stuff that you may not have seen in a long time from this team. Remember the beginning of the season, especially the Monday night game against Denver, all the movement the Falcons' defense had pre-snap against Peyton Manning that confused the crap out of them to cause all those interceptions in the first half. They have not gone back to that that much since the beginning of the season. It wouldn't surprise me if they unveil that again on Sunday and you see a lot of little wrinkles within that Falcon D. You know, what do you think the prospects of the Falcons' defense are for Sunday? They're, they're a little banged up, but how do you think their effort will be? Well, not their effort, but how do you think they'll play? I think they'll play pretty well, and I think one of the reasons is what you just mentioned. I think, you know, I'm always hesitant to say, well, this team is saving something for the playoffs because in the NFL you don't really have that luxury. Um, it's not like the NBA. You just can't, you know, cruise through the regular season with just your superior talent and then turn it on in the playoffs because, you know, the talent levels between NFL teams, especially NFL playoff teams, are always pretty close. Um, and so you can't really afford to do that. But as you pointed out, uh, a lot of the pre-snap stuff, sort of the amoeba defense, as people like to call it, um, we haven't really seen that. And I do think they've been saving it for this situation. I think they've been saving some defensive looks for the playoffs because, I mean, for the Falcons – about halfway through the season, you knew what the end game was. You knew, you know, what they were going to be looking at, what they were going to be playing for. And so, really, to me, this is this is that prime opportunity for Mike Nolan. I think he's had plenty of time to plan. I think he knows exactly what he wants to do. And I think even if the D is a little banged up, um, they've got enough depth, especially in the secondary, um, to do what they need to do. Yeah, you know, it's going to be a fascinating game. And I'll go to a question that I always like to ask. Is there a player that we don't talk about that could have a big role, either offensively or defensively, in the game on Sunday that we should look out for on the Atlanta side? I think the easy answer for that one is Vance Walker. And I think that because, you know, the Seahawks have a very good offensive line. I would say it's just a little bit weaker on the inside, I think there's there's a little bit of a matchup that you can exploit there. And I think Walker is the guy to do that. He's shown a lot the last couple of seasons as that situational pass rushing 
defensive tackle. He's shown an ability to collapse the pocket. And I think that when you look at the rest of the defensive tackles on this team, what they've accomplished this year, um, it hasn't been nearly as impressive. And I think that Walker is a guy that's going to play. Um, I think that he'll be a useful player. And I think that he even might make, you know, a game-defining play if he can get after Russell Wilson. So I think that it's going to be critical for the Falcons in this game to make sure that Wilson doesn't have a clean pocket and that they're flushing him out into other guys, other defenders. And I think Walker is probably uniquely positioned to do that. You know, I agree totally. You know, it's going to be a guy like Vance Walker. It's going to be a guy like Troy Bierman. Bierman's energy is going to be, you know, off the chains on Sunday. His energy might be a little bit too much. You know, you, you obviously need Abraham to step up. You, you need the linebackers to play well. You need a total team effort. It's the playoffs. It's the final four of the conference. All hands on deck. Throw it all out there. Every cliche you can think of. You know, I... I'm expecting a big effort on Sunday from the Falcons. I, I think this is the year they break through, and I think they're going to break through in a big way. I, I kind of equate this back to 98 when they played the 49ers in the divisional round. I, I think you might get that kind of game. And, yeah, I'm talking blowout, <laughs> to be clear. You know, I, I have a lot of respect for what the Seahawks have done. But going back east twice in a seven-day stretch, Marshawn Lynch is banged up. He hasn't practiced all week. Boy, if there was ever a scenario that could break right for the Falcons, it's this. I'm expecting a big effort. What's your final prediction for the game on Sunday? You know, I've been consciously avoiding putting a score on it, so I'm going to I'm gonna do that again. I'm going to avoid it. But I will say that I think it will be a close football game. I think that the Falcons may even open up a big early lead. I think the Seahawks are too good to let the game get out of hand. They have too much balance. They're relentless. But I do think the Falcons will win this football game. I think that, you know, there's an enormous amount at stake for them. I think they've been preparing for this really all year, um, even not knowing the opponent. And I think that they do have a little bit extra in the tank um, that they're going to, you know, bring out on Sunday, and and they're going to be ready to play this game, and they're going to win it. And once again, they have zero respect from anybody in America, which is just fascinating to me. You know, I cannot believe – I'll give you some perspective from the New York market. There's one person at Pick the Falcons that's on radio or TV in the area. One person. Everybody else has picked the Seahawks. Look at ESPN, a lot of the same things. It's – just it's the best thing that can happen to the Falcons is to put all this stuff on the bulletin board and say, look, guys, they still don't respect us. It doesn't matter what our record is. It doesn't matter where our seed is. They think that we're going to get killed by the Seahawks. I love it. I love it for the Falcons. I hope they come through. Boy, do I hope they come through. I know you do as well. But, man, I'm telling you, that dome is going to be rocking on Sunday. That team, I hope that team isn't so fired up that they're reckless themselves. But it, we're looking at a, a great, great matchup on Sunday. Are, are there any other surprises this weekend that you think are going to happen in regarding to the other matchups? 
I do think that um, you know in the AFC, I think the the favored teams are are going to win. I I like the Texans. I think the Patriots just bring too much firepower to the table. I think they already know how to beat the Texans. Um, I think the Broncos are way too good for this year's version of this Ravens team. Um, to me, they've you know they've been banged up, which is a big part of it, but they've kind of taken a step back from their usual form. I think the only you know mild surprise this weekend is going to be that the Packers will handle the 49ers. Um, I think the 49ers are a really good football team. I think they have an excellent defense, um, but you know Justin Smith being banged up, their pass rush just isn't the same without him. I think Frank Gore is a little worn down. They have a rookie quarterback. Um, they're going against arguably the best quarterback in the NFL in Aaron Rodgers. Um, I think the Packers have discovered their ground game a little bit. Their secondary has been a little bit better this year. I think when you add it all up, um, they're a scary football team, and I think they're going to beat the 49ers. And I, I think it would only be right for the Falcons to dispose of the Giants the way they did a few weeks back to get rid of some of their ghosts and then have the Packers come in next week to get rid of those ghosts from two years ago from that disaster in the divisional round. I can still see Tremont Williams going down the sideline. It's painful. But, Dave, once again, I appreciate it. I'm running out of time here on, on the live part of the program. Um I appreciate you coming on. I'll be in touch. Get you on next week. Follow him on Twitter, at the Falcoholic, thefalcoholic.com. Dave Choate, thanks, buddy. Thanks a lot. All right. That was Dave Choate from thefalcoholic.com. Check him out on Twitter, at thefalcoholic. Great articles, great stuff leading up to the divisional round matchup. You know they'll have some of the best stuff after the game. Man, oh, man, oh, man, I cannot wait. Get some announcements out of the way. And I mentioned before about some of the other things I'll be doing, and I'll get more in-depth of my future plans moving forward on Sunday. I'll have plenty of time to go in depth. But I'm officially part of the Sport City Chefs. You also catch them on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, I moved over with them for some shows, Crossover Cafe with TP Timeless and crew, you know, heading in their kitchen, as they would say over there, you know, doing some stuff with them. I'm still going to be on mtrradio.com. Nothing changes there. I'm just going to be on your air more. Sorry. (laughs) But I'll be doing some things with the Sports City Chefs. I'll be doing some things, you know, I'll be doing some shows here and there, doing a baseball show with them, doing doing basketball shows with them right now, doing a football show with them. I'm all over the place, and Sunday morning, I will have an announcement regarding Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday, and as a matter of fact, Super Bowl weekend. I know MTR Radio has some things planned, but I also have some things planned 
with or without them, quite frankly. Um, you know, MTR Radio has been very, very good to me. Very good to me. You know, they, they've given me a, a platform. You know, some guy they, they literally didn't know from a hole in the wall. And I will still be on there full bore just the way I am now. But Super Bowl weekend, I got some things up my sleeve. And I hope you like what I have planned. Real quick, I'll get into tomorrow's games. You know, the first game's in Denver. Colts, uh, Colts, Jesus, goodness. Peyton Manning, I think, of Colts. Ravens, Broncos in Denver. 19 degrees at kickoff. Peyton Manning is 0-3 in games under 40 degrees in temperature. This will be the true test of his his previous neck injuries. Um, You know, all year my thoughts behind this have been he's not going to be able to grip the ball that well in the really cold Colorado weather in December and January. Tomorrow's the true test. I know he's going to be wearing a glove, and he's gotten really comfortable with the glove. But the Ravens have a, a, a puncher's chance tomorrow for sure. Peyton Manning is not going to put every ball on the money tomorrow. If the Ravens can keep it close, the Ravens may pull up a shocker in Denver. And I think all your plans and hopes and dreams of Tom Brady and Peyton Manning for the AFC Championship, they're not going to happen. What I'm seeing... I'm going to take Baltimore to cover. I don't think they'll win. I think Peyton Manning and the Broncos in the end are better. I think tomorrow will be Ray Lewis's swan song. It also wouldn't surprise me if tomorrow was Ed Reed's swan song. You know, Ed Reed for the last three years has talked about him retiring, talked about the, the toll on his body. It would not surprise me in the least if tomorrow night was it for two legendary Miami Hurricanes that graduated to the Baltimore Ravens and became legendary Baltimore Ravens, and they will both be Hall of Famers someday. And I do think tomorrow will be the last time you see either one of them on an NFL field, unfortunately. And I hope I'm wrong. I'm going to take the Ravens to cover. It's nine and a half as we speak. I'm going to take the Ravens to cover for game one. And the game in San Francisco tomorrow night is just an amazing, amazing case study. You know, I love the term case study for a lot of reasons. But quite frankly, Packers 49ers, this game could go 27 different ways. You have Colin Kaepernick, his second I'm sorry, his first playoff start. The crowd in San Francisco is going to be electric. The Packers' offense has been very, very shaky. Very shaky. I know they've been putting up points and and everything else. This has not been the crisp, clean Green Bay offense as we've seen in the past. The 49ers' defense has a chance to get after Aaron Rodgers, get after that Packers' offense, Don't forget, it's Aaron Rodgers who's suffering from flu-like symptoms as we speak. 
that can play a big factor 24 hours from now in San Francisco. Who do I think is going to win the game and why? Green Bay has got to keep their quarterback clean. And once again, no turnovers. Colin Kaepernick has got to make sure the offense moves like a well-oiled machine. I'm not sure he can do that against this Packers defense. Packers defense is getting better as the year has gone on. They're getting healthy at the right time. And my picks, <coughs> excuse me, my pick for the NFC Championship game will remain intact. It will be Packers, Falcons, next weekend in Atlanta for the NFC Championship. I think the Packers go into San Francisco. I think they'll win by more than a touchdown. I think the 49ers will be scratching their heads. And my pick for Houston, New England, you already know, it's all about the breakdown at that point. So I think you're going to have Denver, Houston, Green Bay, Atlanta as your final four in the NFL. And we will talk a whole lot more about that on Sunday. Real quick before I go, I wanted to go through the breakdown of my preseason picks and kind of go through where I was right and where I was wrong. I thought this would be an interesting thing to do tonight on Blog Talk, since at this point nobody's listening live anyway. You'll catch it on the replay. We'll go to NFL standings. And we'll start in the AFC. I had the I had the Patriots pegged correctly at twelve and four. I did have the Jets at nine and seven. Very wrong there. I had the Bills at seven and nine, not far off. They were six and ten. I had the Dolphins at four and twelve, and I was very wrong about them. I thought they would finish with the number one pick in the draft, and I was very wrong. AFC North. I had Baltimore finishing 11-5 and winning the division. They finished 10-6 and and won the division. I had the Steelers at 10-6. Obviously, they were disappointing. The Bengals, I was way off. And the Browns, I had them at 6-10. and 10. Pretty good there. AFC South, I had the Texans dropping down to 10-6. I was wrong there. They ended up 12-4. I had the Titans at 8-8. Eight and eight. Very wrong there. I had, AFC South was probably my worst division. I had Jacksonville seven and nine and the Colts at five and eleven. Could not have been more wrong in that division. And speaking of couldn't be more wrong, San Diego Chargers were seven and nine. I had them finishing eleven and five before the season started. I had the Chiefs, who finished with the first pick in the draft, finishing at nine and seven. Broncos at eight and eight, and the Raiders at seven and nine. Could not have been more wrong. AFC playoffs, I had Chargers, Jets, Chargers, Jets, with the Chargers winning, Steelers, Texans, 
I actually had Texas Patriots in this round. So I had three of the four teams in this round. The only problem is, as you'll see, I had the Chargers advancing all the way. I was so close. So I had the Chargers winning the AFC, which is a problem, which is kind of funny to look at now. But you move over to the NFC, and I'll start in the West. You know, I thought the 49ers would take a huge step back. They most certainly did not. They finished 11-4-1. and, four, 11, four and one. I had them at 9-7. I had the Seahawks at 7-9. They were 11-5. The Rams, I had at 8-8. Eight and eight. They finished 7-8-1. and one. I pegged them correctly. And the Cardinals, I had at 9-7. and seven. They finished at 5-11 and 11 after being 4-0. and oh. In the NFC South, I had the Falcons winning the division. I had them only at 11-5, though. They finished 13-3. After that, I had the Saints, Bucks, both at 9-7. They both finished 7-9. And, and I had the Panthers at 7-9, and, and they finished right there, so not bad there. In the North, I had the Packers at 12-4. They finished 11-5, winning the division. I had the Bears at 10-6 and six correctly pegged, and they didn't make the playoffs. The Lions were a major step back. I had them at 9-7. and seven. Basically, the Lions and Vikings flip-flop between my picks and reality. And in the NFC East, Giants winning division, Cowboys second, Eagles third, Skins fourth. Oops. I did have the Cowboys at 10-6. and six. They were 8-8. Eight eight. I had the Giants at 11-5. They were 9-7. Not a very good division there. The playoffs were a little rattled in the NFC. I had Cowboys-Cardinals with the Cowboys winning. I had the Falcons playing in round one against the Bears with the Falcons winning. And then I had Giants-Falcons rematch, Packers-Cowboys with Packers-Falcons coming out. And my Super Bowl champion is the Packers, and I hope I'm wrong. So I thought it would be a good night to look back on that. I, I thought I, I found that amusing. You know, for preseason picks, they're actually not that bad. But I digress. It's been fun coming back on Blog Talk for tonight. I thank you all for listening. That, that did. The show will be up on the MTR Radio website at some time this weekend if you want to go back and check it out there. It'll also be at blogtalkradio.com, or you can access it from the Status Radio Facebook page, facebook.com backslash WJC. Find the post with, with the show on it, and then click on it, and you can listen to it right from Facebook. You can also follow me on Twitter, John underscore Corey, C-O-R-R-I-E. And as we like to do on Blog Talk, you can email the show, statusradio at gmail.com. Send me your thoughts, questions, comments, how much I suck, whatever you want to send to me. Upcoming schedule for me, Sunday morning, 11 o'clock, NPRradio.com. Two hours, 11 to 1, bring you right at the kickoff. We'll review Ravens, Broncos, Packers, 49ers. We'll get more in-depth Falcons. Seahawks, Texans, Patriots, plus plenty of time for phone calls and some guests I'm working on for Sunday. Until then, I'm John Corey. This has been Status Radio on blogtalkradio.com and also mtrradio.com. 
I'll talk to you Sunday morning, 11 a.m. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. <laughs>